So today we're going to examine the Apostle Paul while he is in Rome. It's described in Acts chapter 28. That's the final chapter in the book of Acts, and we'll get to that in a while. This summer, we've looked at the book of Acts multiple times in multiple places, but have yet to go to the last chapter. Martin Luther, some 500 years ago, none of you were, were around then, so that's why I'm going to share this with you. You didn't hear it firsthand. About 500 years ago, he wrote about the book of Acts. He wrote about Luke, the physician, and in the Greek language, what the book of Acts stood for. And I quote Luther by sharing this. The book of Acts teaches the whole church to the end of the world, the true chief point of Christian doctrine, namely that we must all be justified only through faith in Jesus Christ without any addition of law or help from good works. Luther continues in his writing, this doctrine that we must all be justified only through faith in Jesus Christ is the chief intention of the book and the author's principal cause for writing it. Therefore, he stresses so mightily not only the preaching of the apostles about faith in Christ and how both Gentiles and Jews must be justified by it without any merits or works, but also the examples and the instances of this teaching telling how Gentiles as well as Jews were justified through the gospel only, without the law. So that St. Peter testifies in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 15 that in this manner, God made no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, but just as he gave the Holy Ghost to the Gentiles through the gospel, though they lived without the law, so he gave him to the Jews through the gospel and not through the law or because of their own works or merits. Thus he puts side by side in this book, both the doctrine about faith and the example of faith. End of quote. The book of Acts is a wonderful book, a book that teaches us how to live in this 21st century culture, not just history from the first century, but helping us as Christians follow Jesus Christ here in the 21st century. We're part of a Lutheran tradition. I always say we're Christians. We believe in the Bible and God. And we're Lutherans as well as part of this faith fellowship. And we understand that we're blessed. Coming up on the screen, faith alone in Jesus the Christ justifies, that is, makes a person righteous in the eyes of God. We are at faith Lutheran church. Simply in the naming of this church, those of you who were involved are recognizing one of Luther's pillars, Martin Luther's pillars of faith. Faith, along with the word and with grace, as depicted in Luther's famous rose that many of you probably have seen before. If I, if you focus your life on living through the word, which is the Bible, in faith of Jesus the Christ, through the same Jesus being reminded of grace as well, our life will be so improved because we will know the truth. We will know the truth. The Declaration of Independence, this is a left-hand turn, or a right-hand turn maybe. The Declaration of Independence shares in the second uh, chapter, I'll call it, we hold these truths to be self-evident. We as Christians should say the same for the Bible. We hold the word of God to be self-evident. We find in the book of Acts the evidence of Jesus the Christ, evidence of his apostles, the evidence of faith, 
evidence of grace that is overwhelming. We should be praising God for his blessings each and every day. What was I talking about? Oh, the book of Acts. Particularly Paul. The apostle Paul in the book of Acts and the intercultural gifts that he highlights. It's in the picture behind me. But first I need to ask a question just for you to think about how and why was Paul, the Apostle Paul, in Rome, as we'll find out later in the reading. For sure he wasn't taking a holiday. I'm, I'm not even sure in the first century if people went on vacation, like some of us have the opportunity to do. But when we dig into the book of Acts, we'll find out the how and the why Paul was in Rome and how this connects with the intercultural gift that many of you have been reading about in the Discover Your Gifts book. Intercultural gifts is coming up on the screen. Intercultural gifts help you relate to people from other cultures and social groups. Gifts include language skills, respect for others, and the ability to understand cultural differences. Please keep that description up on the screen for a while. I want you to digest those words. Do you have any of these points, these gifts in your life? I'm positive at least one of you does. I know for sure at least one of you does because I'm gonna invite that person up here to speak. Greg was recently in Ecuador and I've asked him to share about his mission trip with you at this time. Greg? Good morning, everyone. If you don't know me, my name is Greg Custer, and I am a member of the mission team here at Faith, and I'm also serving on the board of directors for Spark International Missions. Um, Spark does a lot of good work around the world, uh, sharing the good news of Jesus with a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. Um, we have a program in Zambia for micro savings. We do collections here in the U.S. of uh, Christian materials through love packages, and those get distributed around the world. And we also do a variety of things in Ecuador, so that's what I'm here to talk about today. I was blessed a few weeks ago to uh, go on a short-term mission trip in Ecuador, and I'm gonna share a little bit of my experience with that. Next slide, please. So this is a map of Ecuador. Uh, we flew into Guayaquil, um, and then took about a three-hour drive south to Machala which is on the coast. And from there, we headed uh, over to La Iberia. La Iberia is the starred place up there. Um, originally, we were planning to go somewhere else this year, up in the mountains and visit a village we hadn't seen before and work with indigenous folks. Um, but earlier, there was a lot of torrential rainstorms and landslides, so the roads to where we were going were washed out and they hadn't been repaired. So we regrouped, uh, talked with Dr. Manuel, um, did some prayer, and decided to go back to La Iberia. We were there last year. And so it was wonderful to go back and reconnect with some folks that we met um, and see how the Holy Spirit had been working in that community since we left. And you might recognize uh, the picture. That's Dr. Manuel. He is a physician, an evangelist, and has been working in Ecuador for many, many years and is our in-country missionary partner uh, with Spark. Next slide, please. So to give you a kind of a day in the life of a Spark mission trip, uh, we start each morning with devotions and prayer before breakfast, and then we head out to the community we're serving. 
Um, and then in the morning we have two programs. We have a medical clinic, uh, which is on the left. You see Dr. Manuel working with a patient there. And he saw about uh, 200 patients over the course of the week. And on the right is his brother, Cesar. And Cesar uh, worked a uh, vision clinic. So he did vision exams and handed out glasses to folks that came in in need. And I believe we handed out about 150 pairs of glasses throughout the week. Um, one thing I forgot to mention, uh, La Iberia is a small community. It's about 4,000 people right on a river. Um, it's kind of urban. Um, most of the folks there work in the banana plantations. That entire area of Ecuador is filled with banana farms. And so most of the folks in La Iberia worked in a plantation and um, they only earn about $30 a day for their hard work. So next slide, please. Um, in the afternoons, uh, we met and had two programs. Uh, one was Vacation Bible School, and that was led by Rachel Hinshaw and Pat Turner, who is here today. Uh, Pat had just returned from uh, Guatemala, so she actually met us in Ecuador. She was on her first full-time mission assignment in Guatemala for several weeks, met us in Ecuador, and she served as our primary translator as well as helped with VBS. And this year's VBS was um, the story of Joseph and his brothers and the Pharaoh. And so each day they would start with praise songs. They would uh, read the story of Joseph. They would act it out. We took props and costumes for them to wear. They would do crafts and have a snack. And beginning of the week, we had about 35 kids. And by the end of the week, word got out. We had over 60 kids. So it was very exciting. And we were meeting in a pretty small house, so it was pretty crowded, but it was fun. Um, next slide. And while Vacation Bible School was going on inside, outdoors, we had adult Bible study. So myself, uh, Bob Henshaw, and Pastor Manuel led a Bible study of a small group of folks. And this year, we focused on marriage and how God wants to direct our lives and how he works in marriage. And so we started with a right now uh, media video each day. And then we had discussion, we read scripture, we talked about um, relationships and communication and trust and forgiveness. And it was wonderful. I think uh, we had about 13 or 15 people there on average each day. So that was great. Um, you'll notice there's a stack of chairs in the back right hand corner. Uh, through donations of faith and through folks here that made donations, we were able to purchase 20 chairs, three tables, and then that canopy is new as well. So they will continue to use that uh, going forward with weekly Bible study and after school programs for kids. Next. And this is the last slide. This is just a shot of the Vacation Bible School kids at the end. Um, they are wearing their coats of many colors that they made. Um, as part of the story of Joseph. So it was very exciting. Um, it was a little bittersweet this year, going back and meeting people that we knew from last year, um, knowing that we're probably not gonna go back next year. We have other plans in, in the works. Um, they really want us to come back, but uh, we may stop by and visit. Um, so overall, I just wanted to thank Faith for its ongoing support through the years of Spark and the, the work we do. We really couldn't do it without you. Um, like I said, this year we were able to buy uh, the chairs, the tables, the canopy, um, two huge suitcases full of pharmaceuticals, which we handed out, and Dr. Manuel will use those um, for the rest of this year, uh, Bibles for the Bible study, so appreciate everyone's uh, donations. 
And I would like to ask everyone to pray for Ecuador. As you might have read in the news, there's a lot of unrest and a lot of violence going on in Ecuador right now. So if you could pray for Dr. Manuel and his family and the people and safety and, and just peace in that country, that would be appreciated and welcome. So um, just wrap up saying thank you again for all your support. If you'd like to learn more about Spark, um, you can talk to me, you can talk to Bridget, talk to Jan, talk to Denise, um, Ann Kreider, Dan, Julie Lammers. We're all on the board of Spark, and we'd be happy to talk to you about uh, what we're doing and what we plan to do next year. So thanks, and God bless. Thank you, Greg, for sharing. We're all blessed to have saints among us that are willing to go forth and bless others in Jesus' name. Some of us will never be able to do an international trip. So we're thankful for those that are the hands and feet of Jesus to go out in our name, Faith Lutheran's name in part, Sparks as well, to go out and share the love of Christ. We're blessed to have people that also give, as Greg pointed out, Many of you donated to this mission trip, so thank you for doing that. That's part of the offerings. When we talk about tithes and offerings, the offerings are things such as that. When we support missionaries that are going out in Jesus' name, when we buy Bibles or chairs or tables, tents, whatever it may be, to support the kingdom of God, especially in this case in Ecuador. Let's jump back into the message regarding the Apostle Paul and into God's Word with the book of Acts. I'm going to share about chapter 9 first. We know that Paul in chapter 9 is still called Saul. So Paul, that we know of, was called Saul. And in verse 9, God said, This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. What a powerful scripture. He's not saying Paul's going to go out and talk to all the people that aren't Jewish. He's saying that it's everybody, those that are the chosen people of God, the Jewish nation, as well as those that are outside of that. This is a big move in Scripture when it highlights the fact that the kingdom of God is for all of creation, all people created in his image. And then in chapter 13 of the book of Acts, we have the renaming of the man once called Saul, who's now called Paul, which is in fact the Greek version of the Hebrew name Saul. So his Hebrew name was Saul, now his I'll call it the New Testament. His Greek name is Paul. As many of you may know, Saul was a very learned Jew who sat at the feet of a Pharisee named Gamaliel. But Saul, who's now recognized as Paul, was a Roman citizen, not, not a run-of-the-mill Jew. So he was a learned Jew. People looked up to him. And he was also a Roman citizen. So this is where this intercultural uh, starts to take place. He can speak into both worlds. We have a blessing in chapter 22 of Acts when Paul declares that he is a follower of the way when people want to flog him. So he starts preaching, teaching about Jesus. And he's fortunate that he's a Roman citizen. The apostle Paul's about to be flogged, to be beaten. 
I don't know if the centurion is standing right next to him and Paul's on the ground and he looks up to him and says, are, are you allowed to flog a Roman citizen? Paul knows better. He knows they aren't because of the law. And the centurion's taken aback by this because if the centurion would have allowed Paul to be flogged, he would have been in trouble when his boss found out that Paul was a Roman citizen because Roman citizens had rights that not a lot of other people in the world at that time had. So Paul starts to use this uh, intercultural gifting because he can cross from the Jewish way into the Roman way and speak into both cultures about the true way, which is Jesus the Christ. Because of Paul's declaration as a Roman citizen, he was treated differently than say, another follower of Jesus like Stephen, who was stoned for being a follower of the way and declaring Jesus as Lord. And Paul was a fantastic ministry missionary in this first uh, century. According to biblical scholars, he probably traveled over 10,000 miles. Now you may not think that's very much. Greg just traveled probably over 6,000 miles going to Ecuador and back. Pat's been traveling a lot more than that, it sounds like. But 10,000 miles when you're walking, or in some case, riding on a boat, getting shipwrecked too, no joy there. But 10,000 miles. He traveled a lot in the first century. I was trying to total up the total miles I've traveled in my foreign mission work, as well as in the United States. I was speaking with a member of the church this past week about this. Uh, I've been to Tororo, Uganda more than once. I've been to surrounding villages in Uganda, to a camp in Kenya, to orphanages in Russia, to speaking on Alpha across in the pond and over in London, to small communities in Guatemala. I've been down to Chile and into Mexico with my father-in-law, speaking about Jesus Christ, showing the love of Jesus Christ using this gift found in the Discover Your Gifts book about intercultural gifting. Now, when I was going on all those trips, I hadn't read the book yet. Well, the book hadn't been written yet. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about intercultural gifts. I was just thinking about how blessed I am by God to be able to go and do his will and his way wherever he sent me at that time. I've also been blessed to preach the message of Jesus in multiple cultures here in the United States, in Arizona on the Navajo Indian Reservation. I've been able to preach in Iowa and Minnesota and Wisconsin, and I call those the frozen chosen people. So that's a different culture in itself. In Florida, California, right here in Bloomington, I've been able to go around and share the love of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm confident in my calculations, I've traveled over 100,000 miles, yet my ministry is not even to the level of one-tenth, of one-tenth of one percent of the Apostle Paul's and what Paul continues to impact us with as he is in part in the book of Acts and his letters that are found in the New Testament as well. We have been blessed to be a blessing here in this 21st century. Paul in that first century using his intercultural gifts. 
I would love the opportunity to do, do what Paul did in the, he called Jewish leaders together. As a Christian, I've never had that opportunity to do that. It's one of the things when I was reading scripture, that would be cool to have that, that uh, strength, one of Christian character, two of the power of the word to call Jewish people together. Haven't done that yet. Go ahead and open your Bibles to the last chapter in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28. Many of you have probably read this many times, but in the preparation for this, I went through what Pastor Brian gave us as the scripture text for this day. It's from Acts chapter 28, verses 17 and following. It's a long reading, but I'm going to share it with you because reading God's word is good for all of us. Starting at verse 17. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected. So I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. This is part of that intercultural. Make an objection, appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. Verse 21, they replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you. And none of our people who have come from there have reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know the people everywhere are taking, talking against this sect. The sect is the way at that point in time. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger members to the numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening. And you guys think an hour and a half is long. So we won't go that far. Anyways, he witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made the final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and, sit and say, you will, be, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They are hardly hear, they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Verse 28. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about it taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. With boldness and without hindrance. Paul is in Rome at this time. He's, he's under guard. He's in captivity. 
We know he's in a rented house, so it's not like he's in the depth of a jail, although he'd been there before. But he is blessed to be able to share with Jewish people and Gentiles and Romans about the Christian blessing, about the way. Now, we don't have to travel the world. We don't have to go to Rome. We don't have to go to Ecuador. We don't have to go to Mexico to talk about our intercultural gifting. Because I believe all of us have intercultural gifting to one degree or another and are able to use it in this day and age in your workplace, in your social club, here at church, in the restaurants that you go to. We can use this gifting of intercultural and understand it to proclaim Jesus Christ. As I wrap this message up, I want to highlight the point of being intercultural should be a common blessing for us. A common blessing. Why do I say that? Today, many people feel follow, being followers of the way, being Christians, being a biblical Christian is counter to our American culture. I push back on that. Our country was founded by believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Now, they didn't do everything perfect. We know that. And we aren't going to do everything perfect as, as well. Thank God. Because we wouldn't need Jesus if we were perfect. God wouldn't have sent his one and only begotten son into this world if we were all perfect. But because God knows that we're sinners and saints, as Martin Luther talked about, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for us, to us, so that we can be people that are saved through faith alone in Jesus, who is the Christ. And we're called to be people like Paul, to be bold, coming up on the screen, to proclaim the kingdom of God and teach others about our Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. I bet you, because it's happened to me, have at times felt hindrance about sharing the love of Christ. I need to be more bold. And I'm sure if you examine yourself, you would need to be more bold in certain situations as well. We, again, we don't have to be bold by traveling to a different country, unless that's what God's called us to. But we can be bold right here, going to a local eatery, going to a senior community. We can be bold in business as well, for those of you who are in business. We can be bold proclaimers of Jesus Christ and live out his truth in our daily life. I pray you're open to that. I pray you're willing to receive the gifts that God desires you to have. And maybe through the reading of the Discover Your Gift books, you've realized that, wow, I didn't know I had that. Or I've been doing that all along, like some of us with the intercultural gift. But because of reading that book, it was highlighted to you. And now you know for sure it's a gifting of God in your life to be used to proclaim him to your family, to your friends, to your community, and to those that you know each and every day that Jesus Christ is Lord. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Jesus, we come before you as humble servant leaders. May we be empowered by the Holy Spirit as Paul was. Our name may not get changed, but please place our desires aside so that we can 
through word and deed, share your love across all boundaries. Lord, in your mercy.